0: Hi, and welcome to The Pain of Art, where we talk about what's going on beneath the surface and possibly seeing how it fuels creativity and how they're both linked and how the deeper we go within through pain or through other forms of introspection and really landing in a moment. Because I feel like pain a lot of times is really just waking us up and bringing us into reality and helping us see ourselves more. And the, the first moment that we start to see ourselves, we feel an immense amount of pain. So the way this podcast is set up is that I read a short piece that i wrote it's about two to three minutes and then after that um, i go through it in more detail and try to understand what it is that was possibly going on for me beneath the surface and try to understand myself through that okay so here goes the heat filling my nostrils nearly folds all nose hairs in its way. I can feel blood ballooning my face. It whistles as the blood slowly drips down into my body. What's the definition of evil? Is it just plainly hurting someone like making fun of someone's weaknesses? Or is it finding the weakest strength of a person and completely obliterating it? I'm the second kind of evil. I smile at my pain and tear myself apart. Mama bears are less ferocious than I am using the blade of my shriveled ego. I ate a banana around the same time that my friend died. I shouldn't eaten that banana. I should have eaten a grapefruit. I can't see past myself and so I can't mourn his death. I look at his photo and cry about my loss. He doesn't sound like his photo but who does? My high school photos sound smart and strong and my sisters sound fun and confident. The teacher who hated me the most saw me better than anyone ever had. I wish I could hate myself that way. I wish I could hate the world that way. I wish the world was filled with this seething mango peel colored anger. Could I paint you mango? We can then stumble around singing songs of mango hatred until morning. I'll hate you like you're the most hateable person in the world. My hate will nourish you like you've never been nourished before. When I was young, I climbed to the top of a mountain temple, seeking truth. I cried with one monk while the other one laughed. I was too stern to laugh and broke over and over again. He wept for my hate and I wept for his love. I feel guilty leaving my past behind. I smile at the faces of those who've been around my demon and a shiver climbs up my spine. We were all there for our lowest. There was once a hungry blind man. At stoplights, while he waited for someone to cross him the street, he would dream of conquering the world. When he reached his apartment, his wife would play him lectures. He started with math and then made his way to law. He was better at math, but knew that law was his ticket in. He could smell his wife's sweat as she hurried into the house after work, and he felt weak. Sweat became synonymous with failure, and his hunger became almost vicious. I met this man going into the restroom at my local synagogue. He stood in the center of three urinals, and I could hear his anguish on his breath releases. His hair was white and skin was brittle. I held my breath the whole time and only urinated after he left. There are some people who are fueled by their weaknesses and that scares the shit out of me. His fear of sweat is no different than my fears which I productively use to tear myself down. I saw myself in the bathroom at that synagogue. I saw myself clearer than I've ever seen myself before and I'm finally home. I'm finally fuming with the rage of the enlightened. All right, that was what I wrote. Now I'm going to start going through it piece by piece. And let's see if we get to understand something deeper, something that's going on for me. So the beginning, the heat filling my nostrils nearly folds all nose hairs in its way. I can feel blood ballooning my face. It whistles as the blood slowly drips down into my body. So this is kind of just explaining this rage that I feel, this anger um, that I feel in my body and that I'm uncomfortable with. And then what is the definition of evil? Is it just plainly hurting someone, like making fun of someone? like being fun of someone's weaknesses or is it finding the weakest strength of a person and completely obliterating it yeah so this is this is me like basically starting to open up the idea that there's a second kind of really hurting someone there's one where you just like hurt someone there's a second where you like really spend time understanding the person and then you tear them apart so then i say i'm the second kind of evil i smile at my pain and tear myself apart mama bears are less ferocious than i am using the blade of my shriveled ego it's interesting because my relationship with with myself often is me really understanding where my weakest point is and then just battering myself over and over again on that weakest point. I'll have a story where I embarrass myself, said something stupid, and it'll just repeat. And that story just keeps on like repeating over and over and over again. It just makes me feel horrible. And then there's another story where it really showcases another weak point that I'm struggling with at the moment. And it really just zeroes in on it and it repeats. And then I have stories that come about that story you know it just fortifies this whole structure of ab you suck um or you're a horrible person or you're the most embarrassing person i've ever met who says that um and there's a whole story of how i'm worthless and how i can't do anything and i and everything just comes piling in it's like a smart evil it's like it's like the next level of evil it's like really going in to the person and digging and then tearing them apart I ate a banana around the same time that my friend died. I shouldn't have eaten that banana. I should have eaten a grapefruit. I can't see past myself, and so I can't mourn his death. I look at his photo and cry about my loss. So I actually lost a friend recently. I've been struggling with it, but I've also been struggling with struggling with it. And a lot of stuff that was coming up for me was, oh, you're just making it about yourself. You're just thinking about yourself. And I was like, no, like, I wanna, I wanna mourn him, and I wanna just give this moment, these moments to like his memory and keep, him there and And meanwhile, it's more complex than that. And I'm feeling things also. And I found it very difficult to speak my mind about this, especially in the first few weeks. And it's been really difficult to actually just allow myself to mourn. And it's funny because in the beginning, well, obviously I was shattered in the beginning and just couldn't stop crying and just broken, broken, broken. Um, And then there came a point where it started affecting me in my day-to-day life. And then it came a point Point where I needed attention and I wanted people to like sit with me with it and in the beginning it was very difficult uh, I was I was just isolated also people don't really know how to handle death so much so um, people didn't really know how to offer support I didn't have therapy for like two weeks that at that point so I didn't really have anyone to talk to I tried but it didn't really work and then so I was kind of isolated then it came a point where I just wanted to talk about it and I wanted and my mind was telling me that you're you're doing this for selfish reasons you want attention you want this you want that and it's like and it became this whole war within myself and i would find myself like apologizing to my friend and being like i'm sorry i'm not i don't mean to take up the attention and I don't want to make it about me. And it was just this very uncomfortable situation where it was. it felt like I needed all this attention. I needed all this and I wouldn't allow myself to have it. Like if I'm thinking about it from a normal point of view, if let's say my friend was mourning someone, I would definitely just want to give them attention. I wouldn't look at them as selfish for wanting the attention or for needing to talk about it over and over for a little while. But when it came to myself, it was just this whole war that was happening inside i was just going crazy you're making it about yourself what's wrong with you come on snap out of it snap out of it like you're really desecrating his name and you're you're not mourning his death so that was what was coming up for me then and i was like thinking oh i'm so selfish i'm like i'm so selfish and that's what i wrote i can't see past myself so i can't mourn his death um that was that part i look at his photo and cry about my loss right he doesn't sound like his photo but who does my high school photos sound smart and strong and my sister sound fun and confident. This is just an interesting thing where you look at someone's photos and you see that it wasn't who they were. And you're looking and you're like, this, this guy was not that picture. And after he passed, people were posting pictures and it didn't look like him. It wasn't him. It wasn't that personality, that loudness, that amazing. I don't know how to explain it. Just this energy that he had. And there's a picture that just shows him as like a normal guy smiling. It was just very, it was just very surreal and it was very weird weird to have that experience where you don't have a picture that looks like the person that you have in your memories and that's very scary to me that i probably don't look like my pictures i probably don't I probably don't look like any of my pictures and if I passed people would be like he doesn't look like that or he that's not him it's just very nerve-wracking that maybe I won't be remembered after my death I mean eventually obviously not Uh, but maybe I won't be remembered maybe people will distort my memory and maybe when I die people won't really know who I was because my memories with my friend I'm sure will fade over the years I hope not but I'm sure over the years they'll get less, or I'll start changing stories to fit my own narratives of the future. Not on purpose, but just like reinterpreting things. And then I'll look at the picture and then it's gonna start like fitting more of the picture and I'll always have the picture but i won't have the the memories can get distorted right not on purpose so that was that i don't know i found that very interesting that i didn't recognize him and it's also like we portray certain things in images that are not us because we want to fit in like with me in high school i sound smart and strong i think i was trying to look more confident that was what i was trying to do i was trying to be like this cool guy so all my pictures are of this cool guy but i was that same soft person but that picture was just me being strong other people have other things you know they want to look fun they want to look confident they want to look they want to look sexy you know uh so it's just very interesting that you could have different photos and they're just not who you are uh and it just really thinking about this and how we're not really living our truth and we're not really portraying our actual truth in life we're we're living this false life just by changing our face a little bit and making a posture we're taking a picture of ourselves that's different than who we are we're living in a way in like a slight way we're living in authentic. Not that that's the biggest deal, but where else are we changing ourselves to fit into society or to fit into what we think people want? Because that's another thing. What we think people want is not what people want often. Uh, I spoke about this last week where I was struggling to be myself because I thought that this confident masculine man is what I need to be. And Really, my, my calmness and my centeredness and my groundedness and my clarity, that's masculinity and that's my masculinity and that's my form of being strong and it is very strong and if i try to be that on edge masculine egocentric guy that's not who i am and i would really be making the world miss someone making the world miss me and i could literally live a whole life i could let's say i went down that road those fake masculine people are very they're very they're strung very tight because everything can threaten their their structure right so they're very aware, they're hyper aware, they're very on edge all the time, and anything can bring them to feel threatened, so so I could have lived that life, and I could have had a family that wanted that on a certain level, and that wouldn't be my family, that wouldn't be people that respect my strengths, right, it would be people that are looking for something else, and then the values to my kids would be different, everything would be different, and it wouldn't be fear to me, it wouldn't be fear to them, because they're not living with a real person, and honestly. it just so much more fits me to be me (laughs) Uh, so the picture really brings up that Who, who am i being right now and if i take a picture of myself like who am i what am i trying to be and where am i denying who i am and how can i be more comfortable with myself as i am and how much could people benefit from that? And how much could I benefit from just not living a lie and just living relaxed within myself and confident that I'm enough. So that's something that I've been striving for to live authentically and to live as my own kind of man. And I found that certain people are drawn to me and certain people are not. And it's actually very good because it takes away a lot of the work. So the people that are drawn to me are more people that are looking for this kind of person in their life. And the people that are not drawn to it are people who I would end up clashing with. And they're people who wouldn't respect this person, this and there are people who would not value this kind of person. And why would I want to be around people who don't value me? I think we have this crazy notion that everyone has to like us. And the more I grow into who I'm becoming, the more more I know that it doesn't matter if I have a hundred people a thousand people one person I'm me and I'm living my life in myself and the more I go into myself, the less I need anyone else to tell me, oh, okay, you're okay. You're a good person. I think that people often need that. They need to keep on surrounding them with people that nod at them and they tell them, oh, you're cool. You're cool. You're all right. And the more authentic someone is, the the less they need that and the more they want to be with an individual. Like when I used to think of being in a relationship, I thought I was going to be connected to the person and dreaming about the person and thinking about the person all day. And in reality, it's a lot more separate than that. You're you're an individual, and I'm an individual, and we're coming at it as individuals together, but we are separate, and we're not one, and we're not enmeshed, and we are separate people. So yeah, I'm definitely doing myself a big favor by being myself, and by being comfortable with who I am, and going into this journey of separateness, and being an individual, and I think that that's the way to go. That's the only way to go. Otherwise, you're lying to yourself, and whoever you are, It's just, just be you, be you, I'll be me, you be you, and then we'll be full-on individuals living life with the least amount of barriers between who we are and who we're being, the next part. The teacher who hated me the most saw me better than anyone ever had. I wish I could hate myself that way. I wish I could hate the world that way. I wish the world was filled with this seething mango peel colored anger. It's interesting. I had a teacher. I had a math teacher and I was going through some stuff at that point. But he saw me before it all went to shit. And I was a top student and I really loved that math class. It was amazing. I I loved it. I loved solving the equations. I, I really loved it. And he really liked me. And then I was going through some stuff in life and I completely completely flipped. I started making trouble. I didn't listen in class. He would throw me out every class. He would yell at me with anger, like real anger. But I understood that it came from a place of he actually saw my strengths and he actually knew who I was when he wasn't throwing me out of class. He looked at me with kindness like he was when he was angry at me. He was like he showed out the anger, but he really cared for me. I can't explain it. I spent the rest of that year doing nothing, making his class a living hell. But but there was a lot of kindness to his anger, and I I'll never forget that. And I think this is what I try to touch on right now: that we think that love is the only language, and that everyone should just be nice to everyone. And no, when you're disappointed with someone, when you see someone's light, and yeah, he, he looked at me with kindness, but he was also he was also angry for me. He wasn't angry at me. He was angry for me. He was angry for my strength. He was angry for my future. He was angry for what I was doing to myself. He just wanted it to change, and I. Really really felt cared for by him. I'll never forget that teacher. It's true care. It felt like true care. It felt like, okay, someone actually gives a shit about me. And I'm really grateful for that. And the rest of this kind of goes into the approach of sometimes it might be right to deal with yourself with an angry love, like an angry care where you're just like, come on, man, I I want you come on, do this. You got this. What's going on? Like you're just you're just angry with with how you're treating yourself. You eat nasty food food and you're like come on man like what's what's bothering you like what's going on like like wake up wake up come on you're hurting yourself and all that and it's just like there's this actual anger that comes up there's this actual like frustration and i don't know if it's such a bad thing i don't know if just dealing with myself with love with gentle love is exactly what i want to do all the time sometimes you got to be like come on I, like you have a real conversation with yourself and you're like look what you're doing to your life look how you're not fulfilling your potential. you only got one shot at this it's not like there's a do-over it's not a video game where you die and start at square one there's there's no square one square one is 10 miles back there's no every action has a choice that comes after that and there's no going back there's no oh let me go back like all these things are irreversible and a lot of times in life we're, we're not living up to our potential i'm not living up to my potential and i know it and i'm frustrated and i'm angry with myself and i really want to succeed and i don't know how i think that that anger is is truth is true care i think that that anger is true care could i paint you mango we could then stumble around singing songs of mango hatred until morning do you want me to hate you i can hate you right if you give me a chance i'll hate you like the most hateable person in the world my hate will nourish you like like you've never been nourished before this is with relationships i feel like a lot like not always are you feeling that gentle love a lot of times it's more of a very frustrated tension kind of love it's very different it's anger fueled and there are so many emotions that come up and especially in sex but in general it's just all these different stuff like i think nietzsche talks about how like couples hate each other on a certain level and i find that to be true that sometimes when you actually really care for the person you have this like tension and resistance and anger that like actual anger that the care comes through and i think that it's beautiful i actually think it's beautiful to to be angry connected to the other person i can't explain it when i was young i climbed to the top of mountain temple seeking truth i cried with one monk while the other one laughed i was too stern to laugh and broke over and over again he wept for my hate and i wept for his love this actually happened to me i was in a buddhist temple uh, i used to go there every day before work and there was this one monk who would just laugh every time because i was sitting there and i I had no idea what I'm doing. I don't know how to meditate. I was frustrated and angry. And I was trying, okay, focus. Focus on the breath. Focus on the breath. I was like forcing it. And he would sit there and he would laugh at me. He wouldn't stop laughing. He would just, I wouldn't, he would stop laughing. But when I would get really frustrated, he's like this old man. And he would just start laughing. Um, and I would get more serious because I was like, And I, was, I would do all these like mantras and this and that. And I was just getting more and more frustrated. Uh, but as the years passed and I started getting a lot more calm it was through guidance obviously i started getting more calm i started to sit there and really feel peace it was this other monk who liked me and one day i was sitting there and i finished my meditation he was sitting there on the right chanting and i look over to him and we lock eyes and suddenly we both just started crying i can't explain it we're just looking at each other crying and then after that he starts speaking and I could barely understand him he was trying to offer me something and I couldn't accept it and in that case I think I think what he was trying to offer me wasn't my way out and he wanted me to go and follow in this way that was a lot more that was very different than how I wanted to live my life and I wanted to just be more connected and it was just this. it was a beautiful exchange it was just a very beautiful exchange I don't remember having exchanges like that. I feel guilty leaving my past behind. I smile at the faces of those who've been around my demon and a shiver climbs up my spine. We're all there for our lowest. Yeah, this is just like shame. I have a lot of shame connected to the people who I've grown up with. It's very difficult for me to look at them in the eyes because I'm ashamed of the things that I've done, all the struggles that I've had, and they've seen it all. So it's just very painful to still be connected to those people. So every time... I see them, it brings it all up, and it brings up all my struggles and all of my stories about myself that I'm working on releasing and not identifying with anymore, and it just all comes to the surface. There was once a hungry blind man. At stoplights, while he waited for someone to cross him the street, he would dream of conquering the world. When he reached his apartment, his wife would play, play him lectures. He started with math and then made his way to law. So this is a story that I connect with very much, where I feel like I really have to step up my game, and I really have to start creating and start doing something actually productive with my life. And I use the story of a blind man to really showcase my hunger, to show how hungry I am for success and how I don't want mediocrity. I don't wanna just be another someone. I don't wanna be this loser and I want to really succeed. I really do and I'm going to succeed. And this story just showcases that where he's this blind man and he just feels like such a failure. I'll I'll continue it. He was better at math but he knew that law was his ticket in he could smell his wife's sweat as she hurried into the house after work and he felt weak sweat became synonymous with failure and his hunger became almost vicious he's really up against the wall and he wants to provide he wants to bring something to the table and he wants he has these dreams of conquering and doing great things and And things that he can become and really take on the world, and it's a really heartfelt story, and it's something that really shows my my hunger to to succeed. Where I take a story where this guy has nothing, and he just needs to succeed, and he's so weak, and that's how I feel. Like I obviously don't feel like a blind man, but I feel so weak, and I feel so like I feel like a nobody, and I really have to convince myself from square one that I can do something, that I can be someone, that I can do something productive. I met this man. going into the restroom at my local synagogue he stood in the center of three urinals and I, I can hear his anguish on his breath releases his hair was white and his skin was brittle i held my breath the whole time and only urinated after he left there are some people who are fueled by their weaknesses and that scares the shit out of me his fear of sweat is no different than my fears which i productively use to tear myself down and this shows like his narrative because he's probably thinking to himself that he's such a failure like his wife has to sweat all day and work so hard and he doesn't do anything and it's just probably all these stories are going on in his head too and they're similar to mine where i feel like i'm not doing a lot and i'm not productive and i'm not doing anything worthwhile and i really feel for this and that's like why i held my breath at the urinal and part of me doesn't want to be fueled by my weaknesses but that seems to be the currency that's working i want to be fueled by my strengths but in reality it's it's the the energy is coming from negativity sometimes mm Sometimes the energy is coming from I'm so backed into a corner that I need to push with all my might. And that gives me power to do something that I normally wouldn't do. And I think it's with like ultra runners where they talk about how they have to dig deep, 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 deep down and have all this anger fueling them that gets them to run 100 miles uphill. They're really going into something and not always is our fuel that pushes us just carrying love a lot of times and even carrying love a lot of times it's angry a lot of times it's frustrated and not always is that a bad thing in this life i feel like we got to use what we got whatever gets us there go for it and obviously i'm trying to calm myself and as my life goes on i'm more and more relaxed but a lot of my fuel is passion and fear and a lot of where my strength comes from is from things that are really tough and that really get to me and maybe that's not a bad maybe if I utilize my weaknesses if I just give in to them if I follow the strength behind my weaknesses and start choosing my choices for my future with the energy that comes from all this come on man you got this you got this go push push just do it just push a little further and and use that that i can go far with that and that's not a bad thing and maybe a lot of us is not as just peace loving and all that and maybe that doesn't get you very far and i really want to go forward with that and start to and start to follow myself the way that i'm working and just go with it and there might not be need and there might not be a need to fight everything you don't have to fight everything you don't have to also fight yourself because you're grieving you don't have to have this double fight you can just go with the original energy and just follow through through. I saw myself in the bathroom at that synagogue. I saw myself clearer than I've ever seen myself before, and I'm finally home. I'm finally fuming with the rage of the enlightened. And this is interesting because I feel like that rage, that passion, that that want, that yearning gets us to the enlightened state, whatever that means for you, whatever that means for anyone, but it gets you to that place where you're synchronized with life, and it really pushes you out. Because think about it, you can just sleep all day or just watch movies all day and live your life doing nothing towards who you can become you can just do that all day and and i've been a victim of that in my past too but if you're fueling yourself with the passion and you're going into this and you really care about yourself the way my teacher cared about me you actually care and you you have that rage and that upsetness and that disappointment and you really have a vision of who you can become and i think that that image of who you can become is the greatest thing in the world and that anger that's pushing you towards that that anger is basically just saying look who you can be look who you can become and i think that that's an amazing energy to use i plan on using it uh thank you so much for listening